June is Pride Month, and here at the App Podcast, we're celebrating Pride Month in collaboration with you, our listeners. For every review we receive on any platform during the month of June, we'll make a donation of $1 to the organization All Out, a global movement fighting for a world where no one has to sacrifice their family, freedom, safety, or dignity because of who they are or who they love. In a fun twist to make it a little more fun, for the very first review we get during this period, we'll make a $10 donation, and every subsequent review will provide one more dollar. Please join us this June in supporting the global LGBTQ community by leaving us a review on any platform. Our sister shows The Scrum and Up for Discussion are also participating in this initiative, so if you want to donate even more money to even more LGBTQ movements, you can leave reviews of those shows as well. Thanks, and happy Pride! Hi, I'm Caddy Diop. I'm Tefra Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah! Today we are talking about Maureen Goes Somewhere Only We Know. Uh, it's a K-pop retelling of Roman Holiday, which is not something I knew I needed, but oh boy, oh boy, did I ever need it. <laughs> Very typical story of boy meets girl, boy is a journalist, girl is a pop star. Um, they meet, have a whirlwind 24-hour romance around Hong Kong before she has to ship off to California to interview for a big TV show. I loved this book. This book, I, I think I was just in the mood when I picked it up. I read it in one day. It is fun. It's like very, I found it very engrossing. I found it, the world of it was great. I love that it was set in Hong Kong. Agreed. Yeah. I think Hong Kong is beautifully represented it's almost a character mm-hmm. that's a, to a certain extent it's it's a cheesy light airy perfect read by the pool kind of a book it really is yeah definitely liked it um i also uh, do you want to talk about characters a little bit i think i just kind of want to jump in yeah yeah let's jump right in coolio lucky mm-hmm. a teen character who suffers from anxiety where was she when I was 17? Yeah. I think that's great. I think yeah. it's really lovely to have a character who takes anti-anxiety pills and needs sleeping pills. Granted, she's a K-pop star yeah. and <laughs> is sort of fed these by her handlers. But there's something really nice about it. And I, I think that I wish we would have seen a bit more about mm-hmm. um, about her anxiety. Because mm-hmm. it's really nice to have a character who has a bit of mental health issues, but it's not at the complete focus of who she is. Absolutely. And I read this the day after Yafest, where Maureen Gu told us that she uh, actually has an anxiety disorder, which she medicates. And it was just really nice to have that personal touch for me to be like, oh, yeah, this is like the author putting some lived experience in. Um, I did get the impression that she's less fed the pills by her handlers because they're very concerned with hiding this from the public because she like image is a huge part of this book that's a good point point. and it's nice because even though it's 
the world of K-pop is completely foreign to me. I'm maybe a bit too old um, for singing and dancing boy bands and girl bands. However, there is something about um, the importance of image and how it relates to the social media, right? It, it was so easy to just make this parallel of I can't be seen in any shape other than perfect. Yeah. I need to be on my A game at all times. And, and that was really... That was a nice parallel to make, yeah. Absolutely. Are you um, very familiar with Roman Holiday? I've seen it yeah. twice, I think. I think I've seen it twice. I love the idea. Like, I, I remember the first time I saw the story, like, it's Audrey Hepburn. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on, those eyebrows. Yeah, she's just great. Um, but I, I remember seeing it right after seeing Sabrina, I think. That was the thing. I okay. went on a bit of a... More good eyebrows. Yes, I went on a bit of a, a romantic comedy from, I guess, the 50s and 60s. Uh, you mean the Audrey Hepburn movie, Sabrina, which I have also seen. My head went straight to Sabrina the Teenage Witch, where there are also good <laughs> eyebrows. Sabrina the Teenage... Oh, what was the cat's name? Salem. Salem was the best part of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yes. No, I meant Sabrina. That was done with uh, with Audrey Humphrey Hepburn Bogart. and Humphrey Bogart. And then the uh, 90s version with, is it Juliette Binoche, I think? I'm not sure who the actress is, but it's uh, it's um, Harrison Ford. Yes. Yeah. And Greg Kinnear, who okay. gets dismissed. Because I have not seen that one yet. Oh, it's I have good. only seen the Audrey Hepburn version. So traditionally cheesy. It's great, great fromage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have only seen Roman Holiday once, but I saw it recently enough that it was kind of fresh in my head. Didn't realize this was a Roman Holiday retelling until I got a little bit into it. And then I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Oh, my God. It's so it's so corny, but I think it's great. I think it's important for summer to take a bit of time to reflect and just go deep in that. It's one of those books where um, I love that you read the first page and you're like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen here. Like the first, well, first page might be a bit of an overshoot, but the first chapter, because the chapters are divided up uh, per character perspective, it's really nice. You read the first lucky chapter, you're like, I know who this girl is. You read the first Jack chapter, you're like, oh, I know who this guy is. And then you go like, oh, they're going to meet. It's going to be cheesy. There's going to be love. There's going to be drama, but it'll end well. Yeah, 100%. It's so good. How'd you feel about Jack? Oh. I uh, I pictured Jack as um, Eugene from the... Uh, Try Guys? Try Guys. Oh, so that biased me towards him. <laughs> um, I I do like that Maureen Goo's, like love interests tend to be like, ha, ha, hot. Like, yes. you can tell. You read the book and you're like, okay, this guy is dreamy. And um, I do appreciate a good, like, turning the male gaze on a male. I, I appreciate that very much. I liked him. I liked that he was complicated. Yeah, I liked that he got his, his like, story in the end. Yeah. I mean, I think I just liked him. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah. He's a nice guy who does shady things. Yeah. But has a conscience. And I think that that's nice. Like the the fact that he goes back and forth uh, debating about how, you know, he, he is a paparazzi and he debates about how he does he want to sell those photos. How does he feel about it? He doesn't necessarily love it. He doesn't necessarily hate it either. It's a means to an end. So really... 
like that. There's a foam piece that just broke. Yes, off. this happens in okay. our studio from time okay. to time. We uh, we uh, we occasionally lose foam panels off the walls. We need to get a better cool, 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 fixative. Cool, cool. <laughs> one thing now, I'm going to skip right ahead to the end and put some spoilers in here Do it. right now. The one thing I really appreciated about Jack is that he is so off base with his parents He's like, I'm going to do this banking internship because my parents want it. But in the meantime, I'm going to be a paparazzo to fulfill my dream of being a photographer, which they won't support. And when at the end of the book, he finally goes to his parents and is like, hey, I want to be a photographer. They're like, God, we're so glad you want to do something. <laughs> I thought that, that was really funny. It's really ridiculous how the portrayal of the parents, like especially since they actually spend a good a good deal of time in the beginning explaining that his dad was a creative writing person and like got an MFA and ended up going into banking only for financial reasons you kind of go like well then why would this creative parent just be like well no you can't do it I did it you can't exactly yeah yeah and I just love that it was just like so clearly like oh oh honey come on like like I understand that your angst is an important part of your persona, but like, of course we support you being a photographer. You are a very good photographer. It also dispels the myth of representation of Asian parents on TV and in books and in movies where they're apparently so stern, but these parents just, they love their kid. It's all good. And it's the same with Lucky's parents when um, just the Skyping, the FaceTiming that they do, there's so much care for their kid. And I'm all, I'm here for that. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I loved Lucky having supportive parents. I, I mean, both of them having supportive parents, really. But I, I really loved that it was like, you know, I wanted to be a K-pop, K-pop star. And my parents were like, sure, go do it. Like, go get it. And, you know, I get homesick. I want to come back home. And my parents are like, sure, come home. Like, uh, that's just really wonderful. And yeah, especially in dispelling this myth of like the Asian mom and dad who are like, you can only do this one career ever. Yeah, which is so ridiculous. Really, really ridiculous. I mean, like, sure, it happens with Asian families and white families and black and black families and like every kind of family, because sometimes there are parents who worry about their kids and that worry turns into career pressure. Mm -hmm. I really dug uh, food. There's a huge, huge portion of the book that is spent just traipsing around Hong Kong eating. Yeah. And that's real, real sexy to me. So the thing that I like, like loved about the food line of things is that Lucky, being a pop star, has a very controlled diet. She's supposed to, like, only eat these particular things. Her agent brings her her food. She's not allowed to get her own food. And she goes off on this adventure in the first place because she is hungry. She's, like, on her sleeping pill and on her Ativan, and she wanders out into the night looking for a hamburger because she is so hungry. And then just this whole 24-hour romp is her being like, oh my god, all this food, all this food I'm not allowed to have, and just like reveling in it. It made me want to go to Hong Kong. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been on my destination list for a bit, but just the idea of being able to take a step and just step into a land of delicious food after land of delicious food. It's The descriptions are lovely and yeah, they made me hungry. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted I wanted all of it. Um, I'm actually reading another book by Maureen Gu now, which is also giving me the same feeling. I think she's just very good at writing food. Maureen Gu, 
keep writing about food in yeah yeah novels please let's get these teens into food I did love seeing a teenager who's um genuinely loves food and loves eating and her like I can't eat that is like put on her by external forces I feel like so often we see teenagers being like I can't let myself eat that and then this one it's like no I would love to eat that yes and there's no yeah there's no fear Mm -hmm. of eating Right. Food is not a monster in this book. And at the beginning, I remember reading that first passage where she keeps telling her handlers that she is hungry and they bring her like a salad with almonds. And I remember reading that and just being like, if this is that kind of book, I am not here for it. And just seeing the importance of nourishment and self-care for a youth that's just so busy and so active and so driven also. It's nice. Like she's a she's a well fleshed out young lady. Yes. And I think that that's really nice in a rom-com kind of novel. Mm-hmm. I also really enjoyed that she was allowed to have conflict about her her goals, her aspirations. You know, she wanted to be a K-pop star that's very clearly self-driven. But then she got into it and was kind of like, this isn't why I got into K-pop. You know, I got into it because I love the music. Um, and I want to be able to find that part of myself again. And I, I really love that she was allowed to have that tension. And it wasn't about, I don't want to be a musician anymore. It was about, I don't want this life for myself as a musician. Absolutely. I think that's really... Lucky's a character that I think is relatable, mm-hmm. right? It's it's Whether it's K-pop or whether regardless of pastimes or passions she makes a lot of sense like she's well grounded her feet are planted firmly into the ground even though you know she has a world with a whirlwind romance uh, around hong kong uh which you know but you know what it's like cute. like i i think having a whirlwind romance around hong kong sometimes just requires a certain amount of self-confidence and self-grounding mm, i like this like she's going like through the whole thing she's like i know this is a one-time thing i know this is a one-day thing but she can control herself enough to be like, I am just going to enjoy this. This is just going to be something I enjoy. To me, that's like a very mature choice. That's a really good point, Tefer. I really, I really like it. No, it's a really good point. She is. She's a mature character, but yeah. she's, yeah, she's a good role model character. I, she is. kind of character I'd like to see maybe in a follow-up. Mm. Hey, now. Did you get moments? Uh, so the book is titled after a very popular Keen song. Did you hear it while reading it? I have had it stuck in my head for two weeks. Same. Well, for, you know, three days, but still. Yeah. I feel like it was maybe featured heavily on Grey's Anatomy at one point. Oh, yes. It seems like that kind of song, right? Very like, much so. <laughs> the last two weeks, I keep being like, why do I have Somewhere Only We Know stuck in my head? Oh, right the book yeah i think as they're walking through like it always feels like that song that plays in movies or tv shows like when someone has a big revelation about their feelings about someone so yeah i feel like that song could have played a couple of times in the book (laughs) is it a death song on Grey's anatomy you know they have those songs that they only play when people die like chasing cars i don't think it's a death song okay because like when chasing cars plays on Grey's anatomy someone's someone's gonna die yeah yeah your death is imminent. 
Okay, this is a fun diversion from the book for just a moment, but I have to tell this anecdote. Yes. My partner Tom plays music, and he used to play a lot more music, and he once played music for a wedding where the bride walked into chasing cars. No. At, like, the heyday of Grey's Anatomy. and And every time we watch Grey's Anatomy together, he's just like, I remember this wedding where the bride walked into the death song. <laughs> I feel like... Um... Yeah, the only less appropriate song would be like a Cardi B song or something. Yeah. It's just, oh, that's just not a great choice. People are just crying thinking about that poor car accident in the musical episode of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. No. 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 I guess it, man, maybe they just didn't watch Grey's Anatomy. Sacrilege. <laughs> Sacrilege. If you are listening and don't listen to Grey's Anatomy, come on, join us. It's fun here. Oh, it's a fun show. I'm very excited for the next season to hit Netflix. Full of feels. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So back to somewhere only we know. Yes. Maureen Goo. Maureen Goo. Who is, by the way, side note, lovely in person. Met her, followed her around like an orphan duckling. She's lovely. Love it. Yeah. Good. Was there anything you didn't love? There was one moment when Jack first meets Lucky that gets real creepy. They're in an elevator or a bus. They're in a bus. And she's on like Ativan and sleeping pills. And she's a little sloppy. And in the way that his actions are described, it's kind of a little borderline on the whole like, am I going to take advantage of her? Am I not going to take advantage of her? And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Can you refresh my memory a little bit on that? Yeah. So he bumps into her at first in the elevator. Yeah. And then after that, he leaves. He sees her again on the bus before taking her out um, on yeah. an escapade through Hong Kong to go drinking with his roommate. And the second time she meets her, she's in the bus and she's kind of flopping around. And she's just like groggy and I think he thinks she's drunk. Yeah, yeah. Basically. I that. And she like falls asleep on him and she's kind of like falling all over him a little bit. And he ke- there keeps being references to like her appearance right. and how he's like, oh, her lips are so beautiful. But then it's like, but then there's this moment of like, I'm holding myself back. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like things like that. Because I don't like thinking that male characters have to be a little gross. Like, he can also just be a nice guy, which he ends up being. And he he takes care of her and he's like, I don't want to leave you here by yourself. Why don't you come with me? I'll help you find a burger. Yeah. Which is great. But I could have done without this, like, am I a douchebag or am I a nice guy? It's like maybe when you see a vulnerable girl, you can see her vulnerability. There you go. Instead of her sexy mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. What about you? Is there anything that... uh didn't rev your engine you know I'm sure that on a reread I would be able to find something but I just had such a positive experience reading (laughs) it I really I just it it was a beautiful day I just kind of tore through it and and I didn't nothing struck me really that's pretty great yeah way to go Maureen Goo yeah it was a nice experience in all honesty if the worst that I can find in there is one little moment that's a little wonky. That's no, all right. Um, I loved how her handlers were portrayed. They're mm. not nice. Mm-hmm. They are driven by industry, not by the human. Yeah. And I thought that it was nice to see them as like 
they were well-written bad guys. Yeah, they really were. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I agree with that. I I did like that her agent, um, Ji Yoon, I think. Yes. That Ji Yoon, when she like set up her conditions and was like, hey, I'm not just going to blindly do whatever you guys want anymore, uh, went with her. Like her label was like, no, 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 we can't have this. And I like that Ji Yoon was like, no, I'm going to like stick with you. Because Ji Yoon yeah. is like, where is my money coming Well, from? yes. <laughs> yeah. And she does. I mean, she does say, Lucky does say like. Jiyun did keep trying to be like, why don't you eat salads and juices and not burgers, like, afterwards? And I like that tension. I like that she's like, I'm going to stick with you, but, like, I'm not, like, 100% better. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to be myself a little bit more, which is really nice. Ultimately, like, I mean, when we see artists, we do want a sense of authenticity. And in the K-pop world, from what the very little that I understand of it... There's this projection of per- of perfection, but everyone's got a distinct personality. It's very brings me back to my Backstreet Boy days, right? There's the bad boy. There's the there's the girl next door. There's the this. There's this. There's the that. So it is nice to at a certain point here just be like, hey, I'm gonna be me. I'm gonna be an elevated version of me, but I'm still gonna be me, which is really lovely. Yeah, one hundred percent for sure. I keep thinking about Miley Cyrus. Ooh. Miley Cyrus is problematic. I do have to like, like put so this like right up to the front. I have to say reasons. I am not I am not just like blanket condoning Miley Cyrus. Miley, like we gotta talk. But like when she started breaking away from the Hannah Montana persona in like a giant way that was like full of problematic shit that was like, honey, you should be doing this privately. And if she was a normal teenager just doing it on her private Instagram, you know, she, Whatever, she yeah. would have done, you know. Unfortunately, when you are a child star, all of your missteps get broadcast. But I did keep thinking about that when she just like went through this like nuts year and then kind of settled into a new persona. I'm not really going anywhere with this. (laughs) This is just something I thought of. No, it's okay. I think it's interesting. I think, unfortunately, Miley Cyrus isn't a redeemable character in my book. I oh, think, no, like, no, no. I just, agree. She took it such a huge stumble with that wrecking ball performance and having black women twerk for her and stuff. It just... Oh. Oh, and she continues to steal the work of various artists, including in her most recent, like, uh, abortion is healthcare cake that's, like, lifted from another artist that oh, she I didn't, didn't credit. So... Eh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. She can sing the heck out of Jolene, though. Oh, my God. Yeah, but that's it. But then, so then I'm thinking about the backyard sessions where she's like, I can still be barefoot in the backyard singing jo- Dolly Parton's My Godmother. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, but that's also, that's like, that's still a marketing gimmick, right? That's just one that I fell for for a while. Branding <sighs> is everything, which is all right. I mean, it's the world we live in. Until we burn it down and smash the patriarchy and reverse capitalism and uh, all will be fine. I was like pleasantly surprised by how close it stayed to Roman Holiday. Mm. Say more. So we've talked about this like on the show before about adaptations that uh, I think we talked about it in Daughter of the Forest. I when I see an adaptation, I want the adaptation to be pretty close to the original. Like I can, you know, Obviously, this is not in Rome. It is in Hong Kong, and it is a K-pop star, not a princess, and it's you know updated. Yeah. Um, but it just worked so well. The storyline worked so well. Everything translated so well. They even had the scene with the scooter. They did, and that was just like such 
a fun surprise for me to be like, oh, we're really, really staying faithful to this. To me, that takes more skill than like taking an adaptation really far from the original. I think keeping close to the original, keeping it recognizable, but really updating the story takes a lot more talent. For sure. Um, It also makes it incredibly accessible. mm -hmm. There's something about being able to make this pleasure last. I mean, this is going to encourage a whole new generation to discover Roman Holiday, which is great. And they'll be able to attach themselves to it and see themselves in something that is very far away from our reality today. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. like that. I really can't wait for this to be turned into a Netflix movie. I know. Holy moly. Do you have any like any like ideal cast mm. for it? Uh, you said Eugene from the Try Guys as Jack. I definitely think that that is an interesting cast. Um, I would like to see Randall Park. I'm on a bit of a Randall Park kick. Um, mm-hmm. He's real fine. Oh, yeah. um, I'd like to see him probably as like the dad. Like Jack's dad. He could probably pull it off. He could pull it off. Or uh, uh, who was the other guy who was in Always Be My Maybe? Daniel Kim. Oh, Okay. I mean, he can okay. be my dad. Yeah, hey now. <laughs> Daniel Day Kim can get it so much. And at whatever moment he chooses, hell, yep. I'm Tefra Jemian and I approve this message. <laughs> I have had a crush on Daniel Day Kim for like he's in um he's in Angel. Wasn't he in Lost also? I didn't see Lost. <gasps> That's but nice. yes, but he was a character in Angel who I was very sad when he died. Mm. I want to see him in more things. Having him and Randall Park in the same movie. Listen. Oh, it was nice. It was nice. It was nice. It was... I'm going to watch that movie again. Yes. I would like to see. The... Oh, you know who else would be great? Um, like a young John Cho would make mm-hmm. a great Jack. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like Eugene Yang is actually too old to play Jack at this point. All of these guys are yeah. too old to but we are two adult women. I don't know any <laughs> K pop stars. Me neither. And the ones that I've seen look too young for me to ogle at. Um, yeah. Be, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So let's stick to the grown up hotties. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like Randall Park would work very well in the uh, in the Maureen Goo novel I am reading now, which is called, it is not, I believe, in a thing called Love, and it is not Somewhere Only We Know. It is the other one. Nice. <laughs> which I can visualize the cover, but I, I do not remember what it is called, but it's very good. And I, she has like a hot Korean-Brazilian dad. What? Yeah. Who That's... runs a food truck. Yes. Yeah. Delicious. Um, and yes, I feel like uh, Randall the Park would be good. The way you make me feel—that's what it is. Yes, by Maureen Goo. Yeah, I may have to check this out. I like uh, this idea. When I'm finished with it, you can borrow it. Yes, it's very good. Thank you. I like all the hotties in Maureen Goo's books. There's something about a well-written hottie. Yeah, you just you kind of want to cuddle up with them. Mm-hmm. I recently read Helen Hoang's. The Bride Test, and there's also a very cute, um, very well-described, handsome man character who's, you know, age-appropriate for me. Um, But yeah, I think Jack could be played by, oh, pretty much 
pretty much John Cho. I think John Cho is at the top of my list. There, I'm going to say it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John how Cho. About, how about Lucky? Do you have anyone? Uh... Not off the top of my head. I'm now feeling kind of bad that I like know all these hot Asian actors and I'm like blanking One on the women. Yeah. A young circa crouching tiger hidden dragon. This I'm dating myself. Um, Zhang Ziyi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So beautiful. Yes. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, A, terrified me because I watched it when I was 10. Um, B, certainly brought out my budding bisexuality. Word. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh, she can get it. Yeah. Anytime. Star Trek Discovery, yum. I mean, now, like, obviously there's, like, uh, now I can't remember her... Her name, that the actress who was in All the Boys I Loved Before, yes. would be like the obvious choice, right? Because she's like done Netflix movie before. Um, Lana Condor. I get a little annoyed that Noah Centineo has become big and Lana Condor has not. Because I'm just like, she was the main character. But she did make that white. movie. She made that movie epic. He's got abs. Yeah. I hope she doesn't get typecast into the best friend role i hope they keep giving her main roles yeah. yes and like rom-com protagonist yeah. roles that's the important one like it's got to be in a rom-com setting kind of like it's nice seeing someone who defies uh the norm yeah stand out and be loved yeah yeah without absolutely. changing this is not about maureen goo anymore sorry maureen <laughs> but in always be my maybe like halfway through um, there's the the girl who's like Penny from uh, that sitcom that now I don't remember Big the Bang name Theory? of it. No, it's uh, it's with um, it's like a much smaller, lesser known one. Hence, I'm ah. blanking on the name. Anyway, halfway through, she's like this interior decorator at the restaurant, and I turned to Tom and I was like, "This is the first white person in this movie." Is Michelle Buteau not a white person who plays her assistant who is pregnant and gay? I I thought she was black. Ooh. <laughs> gonna do a quick Google on that yeah, one. Yeah, because I'm, I'm definitely gonna be like, well, I'll, you're the expert here. <laughs> <laughs> half Haitian, half Jamaican. There we go. Okay. I that loved qualifies. Her. I loved her. Yep. So much. Wow. Um, White passing, though. Yeah, she's, she's light-skinned. And yeah. Yeah. Huh. I would believe it. I would, I would kind of believe either. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but also Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Well, yeah, Keanu Reeves had not arrived yet. I was not expecting Keanu Reeves to be playing himself. <laughs> Once again, Keanu Reeves, he can get it. So Keanu Reeves cannot get mine, actually. Say what? I don't get the Keanu Reeves thing. I'm giving Tepper a bit of a bewildered she, look. I know, and I get this a lot, but for whatever reason, Keanu Reeves, I like my men a little thicker. I Fair. Think. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Ooh, I just pictured thick Keanu Reeves. Thick Keanu Reeves can get it. That's that's going straight into the little pile that lives in a secret place <laughs> in my mind. Yep. Anyway, this book is good. <laughs> the book is great. Please read it. I think that like take it with you on a weekend to the cottage yeah. or just to, in a park like it's a great outdoor book it made me want to be outside and like in a really cheesy context and eating street food yes yeah. preferably with lemonade mm-hmm. or boba tea yeah maureen goo is my discovery this year 
like I I discovered her my friend Eunice who was on the show a little while ago uh was like oh my god she's amazing and I was like okay I'm gonna read her books and I am just such a convert like she's she's perfect summer reading um her books are not problematic which is just so nice agreed there's hotties yeah this was my first introduction to Maureen Goo's work and I will be checking out her other books 100% she's definitely got my appreciation yeah I, I like I'm feeling like well this hasn't gotten as deep as some of our things do but I'm like well yeah because this one is fun yeah and I think we have to be clear on that right sometimes it's okay to read a book where the emphasis is just on the cheese just on some good old feels, a little bit of tension built by the fact that, you know, as a photo- as a photographer, as a paparazzo, he doesn't know who she is. But then you realize, oh, no, he he does know who she is. And he's just kind of pretending in order to see if he can release some great stuff on her. And like it's it, this is not something that is built for you to write essays on. This is built for you to enjoy share with your friends and pass on to the next book by Mm -hmm. Maureen Goo. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, it gets you addicted. And I mean, even just from like a representation standpoint, I think it is so good and refreshing to have a book where it's like, yes, these teenagers are Asian and this book is not about how they are Asian. Agreed. Like this is just about two teenagers and that is what Maureen Goo does and Mm -hmm. I love it. I like the fact that they were actually, because both of them are American born. Mm Mm-hmm. Korean of Korean descent mm-hmm. and no actually Lucky doesn't live in Hong Kong but Jack does and I thought that that was really interesting because I was like oh this is like that combination of cultures and the fact that they're like there's words in Korean in the book there's a lot of English a few explanatory commas but I felt like it didn't go overboard and like dear person who is non-Korean here is a complete explanation of culture I have a feeling that this is something that will make a lot of young Korean readers happy. Yeah. Or at least I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think that's one of the things that my friend Eunice, who I keep shouting out, really loved about it because she is Korean. Seeing oh, cool. just like, oh, yeah, just just casual Koreans casually existing. Like, that's where we're going with representation, right? It's not too like, it's like. Books about teens who are not white should not be books teaching white teens about teens who are not white. Say it louder for the people in the back, please. I can't remember the order I said those words in, but I would otherwise. Books about teens of color should not be a tool for white teens to learn about other cultures. Yes. And that's what I like about Maureen Goo. Maureen Goo. We can be friends. Please call me. (laughs) Shall we do a little where are they now? I love that you and Hannah do this. We do this sometimes. Let's do a little where are they now. Jack and Lucky, did they make it? Of course they made it. He's a super famous photographer. He probably shot her billboard, which is simultaneously in Seoul and in uh, Times Square and hey maybe in Toronto or Montreal and um, yeah they're together they're so in love they're enjoying eating food everywhere they go and uh, he's helping her stay sane and grounded and he no longer sells photos of 
people, famous people for money. What about you? What do How you many think? years in the future is this? Like a cool three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with three years in the future. I feel like maybe 10 years in the future, they've like separated amicably. Amicably. I think it definitely. Yeah. Or they've become polyamorous. Maybe. Yeah. Like Bill and Hillary Clinton. Excuse what? I just made that up. No, I love that idea. I mean, Bill Clinton cannot get it with me, but. <laughs> We're going to introduce a new segment called uh, Who, who, who get Can it. Get It? <laughs> Oh, boy. I'm at this weird point in my life, which I feel like you are also at this point in my life, where I, in your life, you're not at this point in my life, where <laughs> when I read a young adult book or watch a young adult movie now, I'm like, okay, but these dads, though. Yep. Definitely into the dads. They are. The moms, too. Not yep. going to lie. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Definitely yep. enjoying them as well. Yep. Moral of the story, we're pervs. We love love. <laughs> all good just a bunch of pervs who love love i think that's a great tagline absolutely you're welcome to use it maureen goo what about you what do you think uh a couple of years down the line uh just like a couple of years i agree with your three-year assessment and i like it and it's like optimistic and and i'm into that and then i think like a few years on they're kind of like maybe we kind of want different things but we're still really good buddies like I feel like they're maybe the couple who kind of like break up and get back together and break up and get back together and break up and get back together for like a long time until they finally are like we belong together when they're ready to put down roots or they're finally like I'm gonna let you free little bird you know mm. definitely an Instagram couple Oh, uh, 100%. Yes, one that we, we follow through podcasting and uh, I'm doing air quotes, the news. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I like mm -hmm. that. That's a great assessment. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually, I'm caddy double underscore D. I'm Teffer Bear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shoutout to our patrons, Catherine Resch, Chantal Thomas, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, and Erica Stitchberry. We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tefra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Aaron Lakoff, host of Changing on the Fly, a brand new podcast on the Upford Network. Changing on the Fly is a podcast that dives deep into the intersections between hockey and social justice. 
we take on issues of sexism, racism, and homophobia on the ice. You'll hear from athletes, activists, fans, scholars, and even musicians who love hockey but want to keep the jerks out of the game. Think Colin Kaepernick or Serena Williams, but with skates and less teeth. It's your perfect antidote to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner. Hey, Don, what do you think of changing on the fly? Not the left-wing pinkle media, bleeding hearts, guys. What are you, nuts? Anyways, you can find Changing on the Fly wherever you get your podcasts or visit us online at changingonthefly.podcast.wordpress.com.